All right, welcome back to Commonwealth Conversations Everyday Minutemen Stories, brought to you by the Massachusetts Collective. I'm your host, Nathan Strauss, and today's guest is someone who you probably know, no matter what sport you're a fan of at UMass, whether it be football, whether it be basketball, whether it be hockey, whether you've attended a UMass game or listened or watched a UMass sporting event in the last two decades or so, you know this man. It is Matty G, Matt Goldstein, UMass football alumnus and current broadcaster, personality extraordinaire. Matty G, thank you so much for, for hopping on today. Yeah, that, that's quite the intro. I, I appreciate that, Nathan. Oh, I wanted to boost your ego up, you know, because I feel like <laughs> you get so much being on the sidelines during football games. Like, you know, everyone's walking by you all the time. People aren't giving you the respect you deserve, you know, but you're, you're a UMass institution at this point. Um, how, have, how have you enjoyed the, the sidelines this year? Um, it, it's been good. I mean, obviously being a football alum um, and invested in the program, I mean, from the, the time I was a player and, to, and right after that of graduation, having broadcasted, whether it be on the radio, um, as, as an analyst, um, then kind of transitioning with the, with the TV and then the streaming, um, it, it's been awesome. Anytime that you, you know, get to be involved and, um, especially with, with the team that you, you know, grew up with, if, if you will. And, um, it, it's been great, you know, with, with Don Brown back, obviously Don was, was one of my two head coaches at UMass, um, Mark Whipple being the other, um, and, and having so many guys on the, on the staff that, either coached me um, or played with me and have remained friends for over that time. So I think just, you know, the, the relationships run deep. It's such a small world. And, you know, for, for instance, I, I obviously, I transferred from the university of New Mexico um, to UMass and, and last week um, having played New Mexico um, in that football game, the head coach, Danny Gonzalez, was a GA um, in charge of special teams at New Mexico and being able to just connect with, with him. And, you know, we had some good laughs and their radio analyst was the running back at New Mexico when I played Dontrell Moore. And so it's such athletics is such a, a, a tight community and you just never know every game. I always look forward to, Hey, is there someone that I might know from somewhere going to be there? So it, it's always a blast be, being around that. When you left New Mexico and came back to UMass or came to UMass, why and how did UMass become the place that you chose? Honestly, I, I wasn't planning on leaving New Mexico. Um, you know, we were, um, we, from the field goal perspective, it was kind of a battle between two guys and we were we were switching off. And um, I primarily was the, the kickoff uh, guy and we, we led the Mountain West Conference and, and kickoff coverage that year. Um, I think I, I was in the top two or three in, in touchbacks and, um, really wasn't looking to leave. And, uh, Mark Whipple was the coach and I'm, I'm originally from Phoenix and he's, he's from Phoenix. Um, he was actually recruiting my brother. And, um, so he, he was talking to my high school coach and he was just asking about me and kind of just said, Hey, this is what's going on. And he was like, you know what, if, uh, you know, if, if Matt wants to come, you know, we'll put him on a full ride and he can do everything. And maybe we can make it a, a two for one type of a deal. Um, it, it ended up working out uh, great. I, I ended up coming. My brother didn't. Um, he ended up um, deciding to walk on and, and play at the University of Arizona. Um, and then that's kind of how the the UMass thing be, began. So and then I got, you know, got um, in, in contact with Bob Beeler and um, who used to be the voice of the Minutemen for, for many, many years. And um, it, it kind of just grew from there as a as a student. 
um, you know, from, from playing football, but then also broadcasting. We used to have, uh, it was called Sports Juice, and it was online only. And uh, Bob and I would do uh, softball and women's lacrosse, and those were like the first sports that ever at UMass were on the Sports Juice. And John Sinnott, who was a sports information director, Jason Yellen, we, we used to do games together. And then uh, when I finished playing, it just kind of turned into, hey, let's, let's go into this all, all the time. Now, for people who don't know you, obviously, it's hard to be a full-time announcer. And you are at UMass on the campus at least two days a week in the fall and winter, if not more than that. But you also have a day job. Uh, how did that come about? And can you talk a little bit about what that kind of parallel career has been like for you? Yeah, so so it's funny. Um, once, once I finished playing um, the season in 2004, um, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, and coaching was potentially one of them as well. So actually that spring, um, I had two classes left to graduate and I was a GA with Don Brown and, and everything and the, and the coaching staff. So, you know, I was, I was going into that. We were looking at, Hey, how do we parallel doing sort of a GA spot with football with broadcasting it at UMass? Um, you know, we were tossing ideas around back and forth and, um, obviously the, the money wasn't great, um, from that. And, um, I, de I decided to say, you know what, I could still do, um, the broadcasting stuff, but I could also start a career. And, um, I originally started out with, um, with Walgreens, um, out of college and, um, worked for 15 years for them. And, you know, some of the agreements that I had made with them was, Hey, during football season, I need to have you know, Saturdays off and Friday afternoons when, when we travel and we were able to make that, make that work. And, um, and ever since then, just kind of been able to figure out life and, um, how to factor all of that, um, uh, with broadcasting as well as, um, you know, making a, making a living as well. And obviously having a, a, a lovely family too. And not only have you planted roots in sort of athletics as a, a broadcaster and as a player, but you also are now, you know, married to a coach as well. Uh, you know, sometimes there are weekends when you're out in Amherst maybe, and, you know, maybe your wife might be down in, in Rhode Island. How do you make it work just, you know, having kids and, and being so many places all the time? Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. We, we always say, um, you know, we're, we're on roller skates, a hundred percent of the time. And, you know, like, um, you know, when, when Whitney's down at Rhode Island, a lot of times, um, you know, Madison, um, our daughter, she may come out to UMass, um, you know, with some friends of ours and may sit at a, at a game with them. Um, if we can't get some babysitting help, we also have a lot of family and friends that we, that we rely on. Um, and also, you know, keeping, keeping Madison busy and a lot of activities. I mean, she does competitive dance. She does volleyball, softball, of course, uh, basketball. So, uh, she's doing that. And now, now that she's getting a little bit older, um, like on snow days or things like that, when, when there's no school, she'll go to Rhode Island with Whitney and, um, she's obsessed with being around the, the players and, uh, just wants to be around there. So now that now it's made it a little bit easier as, as she's gotten a little bit older, eight, about to be nine. It's been great, you know, talking to all of these people, because some of the names that you mentioned as well, former voices of UMass um, are going to be on this this podcast as well. And I'm just curious, you know, something that I'm always wondering about as a broadcaster as well is, you know, how do you balance the line of I'm a former player or a former student or in your case, both at this institution and obviously like valuing the institution itself and, and wanting it to do well, but also understanding that, you know, you can't just be a, you know, balls to the wall homer all the time 
So how do you, um, I guess, strike that balance, especially with what you're doing, which is oftentimes sort of, you know, piece by piece rather than on the play-by-play side of things? Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it, like, there's a fine line, right? And obviously bleed maroon and white. So at the end of the day, right, it's it's going to be all, all about UMass. But I also think, you know, every, everybody has has a job to do. Um, I'm I'm not one that would ever degrade, uh, you know, coaches or players or anything like that because I, you know, I fully understand. No matter what institution it is understand what goes into it and there's times that you know we we've struggled i mean let's let's be honest with football um you know since since making the the move up from fcs to fbs and you know there there's times that you know you have to say it the the way that it is unfortunately as much as it hurts and as much as you want the wins to be coming so i i, I think it's you know it's a delicate balance of you know you, you can't like you said you, you can't be a homer um but when you're calling a game for UMass and, and it's a, a UMass entity, you you can go a little bit more into that Homer side um, versus if it's, you know, m- more of a neutral type of a broadcast. Well, the other thing that you do in addition to broadcasting, not just the one other thing that you do, but of the many things that you do, you're also the PA voice of UMass hockey. And I think people know you from uh, acknowledging the fans, you know, at the end of each period where, you know, you go one minute remaining, one minute in the period and they say, thank you. And you say, you're welcome. How did that come about? Like, what was that? Uh, what was that kind of um, development? Yeah, so I, I started doing um, I, I started doing women's basketball. Actually, that was the the first sport um, that I started doing public address for, um, and then from there it kind of turned into do that and hockey. So I was doing women's basketball and hockey. Um, then came the inception of, of Matty G um, at the basketball games when I used to be like the in-game host, hype man. You know, I'd run around with a Matty G jersey on and, um, you know, get get the crowd fired up. And then um, it kind of turned in from there of, hey, let's just make you the voice of Mullins. Um, and then once, once I moved, um, once we moved um, out of Belchertown and moved to Worcester, it, it was too much going back and forth for three sports. So um, I had to unfortunately drop, you know, women's basketball doing that um, and just kept from the PA side of things, hockey and and men's basketball. Which is really cool. I mean, it's, it's uh, you have your fingers in a lot of pies and are really all over UMass athletics in a number of ways. Do you have a favorite, I guess, moment as a first, as a, as a player and second, as an employee, whether it be broadcast or PA? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny because everyone thinks I, I work full time at UMass and I'm, and I'm there all the time. I'm like, I, now, now I'm just basically showing up on game days. Um, gosh, f- favorite moment. I, I would say as a, as a player would be, um, you know, in 2003, when we won um, the Atlantic 10 championship, obviously anytime you win a championship, that's, um, you know, that's, that's a memorable moment. Um, I'd say it's broadcasting for football. I, I think the 2006 national championship game, although we, uh, we didn't win it, that was just an electric atmosphere. I'd say the semifinal game was actually the most fun, uh, that game up in Missoula, Montana, um, where like basically nobody ever beats Montana at Montana, especially late in the season like that. 
Um, and, and it was such a great trip um, between all the broadcasters that were that were there um, and, and media members from UMass and, and the people in Missoula honestly treated us phenomenal. Um, people still talk about it. Tom Kendall, the one of the photographers at UMass, he always wears, we went to this place called the Missoula Club, right? And they call it the Mo Club. And he still wears that hat from 2006. He lost it one time and actually had to order another one. Um, but th those would be some of the memorable moments. I'd say the most memorable moments was that that 2006 run. Obviously, you know, there, there's been a lot of big wins over the years um, for UMass in football. I think, um, you know, basketball, the the UConn uh, victory, I, I think that was 2004. Four, if I'm not mistaken, um, when um, everybody ran the court, Rayshon Freeman jumps up on the table. There's still time left, and uh, and UConn has a last second shot to to win at the buzzer, and and they miss it. Then our uh, broadcast power line gets pulled out when everyone's storming the floor, and I'm I had to run and try to figure out where it was and, and plug it back in to get us back on the air. Um, that that would be one of the mo uh, one of the most memorable basketball. I, I think another one was some of the uh, sellout games with, uh, with VCU, um, uh, you know, in, in the Chaz Williams era, um, th those were definitely a lot of fun. And, and obviously the NCAA, uh, tournament run with, uh, Derek Kellogg as, as the head coach. And, um, even though losing in the first round, being able to get back to the NCAA tournament was, was a lot of fun hockey. Um, my, my wife would probably kill me if I didn't say, uh, proposing to her on the ice at a intermission of one of the games. Um, her her senior year, but ho hockey, I mean, it's just been outstanding. A lot of really good moments. I mean, obviously, the national championship year is um, great, although it was such a weird year being COVID um, and not having the fans because that's what drives, that's what like drives the energy and gets me going is when, you know, the, the fans, the more that they're into it and it creates that electric atmosphere inside, you know, Mullins. Um, and not being able to have that. It, it was so weird, but obviously because of that, I, I'd say like the previous year, you know, with, uh, with Kale McCarr, that was obviously a, a great year with, with UMass going all the way to the end. Um, so I, those are, those are just a couple, but it's, it's been so many years. There's so many different ones to pull from. Yeah. And the good news is that at a place like UMass, you're pretty much guaranteed. It's kind of like being a Boston sports fan, right? Where like, even if the Pats are in a down year and the Sox are in a down year, you've still got the Bruins, you know, and there's always going to be one or more teams finding success. And that's, uh, you know, I can't wait till I have amassed more than my, you know, five or six years worth of great <laughs> UMass sporting memories. I, I'm I'm trying to catch up, but it's going to be uh, slow goings. You were obviously, you know, an athlete in a very different time in the sort of pre-NIL sphere. But how do you view NIL these days? And And the second part of this question is, if you were an athlete, well, you were an athlete, what would your dream NIL deal have been in Amherst? Oh, man, that's going to get me in trouble on this one. Um, no, I, I think from the NIL, right, um, you know, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and you have to embrace it because it's here. And if you don't embrace it, you are going to get left to the side and you're not going to be able to uh, have the success that you, that you've had as an institution um, or or as a program. So um, I, I think from that standpoint, you know, you, you got to understand that hey, this is where we're at in college athletics, and like anything, if if you don't adapt with the change, you're 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 going to be left behind. Um, you know, I I think it I, I I do really like it from an athlete perspective. Just you know, being an athlete and understanding you know 
what, what you go through on a day-to-day basis. A lot of times you don't have time for a job. Um, so not only does it hurt you, I say hurt you, but you're not gonna be able to have the time to get internships, right. To help you in the real world, but also to, to make money, to be able to survive and, and your scholarship check, it, it really covers the basics, um, a little bit more, um, but pretty much just the basics. And, you know, a, a lot of athletes, you know, depending on their background and where they can and where they came from don't have that opportunity necessarily. I was very fortunate that, you know, my family was able to help support me so I could, you know, go out to dinner more often or, or whatever. And, but there's a lot of athletes that, that don't have that luxury and, you know, seeing a lot of the struggles and, you know, some of my really good friends going through that, um, you know, it, it makes perfect sense, um, for NIL to be able to, you know, help incentivize and, and give, you know, athletes more and, and same thing that they're doing with the snacks right now, they can get year round with snacks and meals. I mean, that, that's huge. I mean, if, if we, if we had that, I mean, we, we were scraping at, at times like, Oh, let's go to the dollar, you know, dollar menu at McDonald's. That's, that's a treat or Taco Bell, you know, cause in, in Amherst back then there wasn't all these uh, restaurants that, that you could go to of today, like in Hadley on route nine. So, you know, we, we would do a lot of those things or, you know, ordering uh takeout from the hangar. So I, I would say for me, if I were to have an NIL in Amherst, when I was there with, with what was there, I, I would say either, Hanger, Antonio's, or DP Dough. I think I would have to go with with some sort of food place because at the end of the day, we we want to eat. That's been the holy trinity of answers so far. You're you're definitely barking up the right tree. And just to like touch on something you said too, people forget. I think people get a little bit lost with the NIL conversation now because it's being driven by this idea of you know a masked man dropping off wads of cash at a top recruit's house. But previously, like as recently as four years ago. You weren't allowed to hire an athlete if you were, you know, at all a donor to the university or a supporter. And that was also a violation of their NIL rights, which were non-existent. So even even though I think there is a good amount of like player gets paid X amount of money for X, um, there's also like you can now run a camp if you're a kicker. Like you can now use your ability as an athlete to make money. And that's that's, I think, the key here when people that people overlook sometimes about nil which yeah usually... and, and I, yeah and i think too like people see like the stuff on the news or on sports center right that this kid's getting two hundred thousand dollars or like caleb williams at usc right like he's in he's in wendy's commercials he's in, you know he has three like major commercials right now and he and he's making a boatload of money but that's the like 0.1 percent of guys or, or gals that are making that type of money from nil you know even even if it's you know two hundred dollars a month or two, you know, that's huge for, for a college student just yeah. to be able to get that, that extra money, uh, but be able to also now with social media, like when, you know, when I was there, Facebook had just kind of come out and it, you had to be a college student to have Facebook. And that was really the first social media aspect. But, you know, t- today, I mean, it's all about, you know, Twitter slash X, um, you know, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat all of that stuff that you can influence, um, you know, followers to different places to help, you know, uh, create some extra cash flow for yourself. Yeah. The best, the best argument about this is, you know, if I was a trombone player, I could go play in a band, you know, at, at, a, at, at Moe's or something, or, or, you know, Fiesta, whatever the place, Veracruz are, whatever it is, and, you know, make 200 bucks for playing a trombone. But if you're an athlete, well, you can't go run a kicking camp because, well, you know, unfortunately those, those were the rules and now it's changed, which is great. 
but uh, but yeah, I mean, DP Doe's coming back, by the way. Uh, I yeah, think you're going to be, you might have right to be first line. Lion, right? Yeah, exactly, which is a, a great combo uh, in Absolutely. and of itself. The last question we've been asking people is, and, and you have a good perspective of this, having been around the program for so long, um, you're a basketball coach or a basketball, you're the, you're the UMass coach, team is down by one, 10 seconds to go. Which player all time are you trusting with the, the potential game-winning shot? Oh, that's that's a, that's an easy one for me. I I throw up number number five, Ricky Harris. He, uh, you know, he he was a, a great three point shooter. Um, I mean, there there's been many of them that that have been pretty clutch, but I think Ricky, um, time and again, always uh, would come through for you. Uh, great answer. Obviously, it's also funny because you mentioned Jason Yellen. I think they're now technically well, not coworkers, but they're both down yeah. at, at Maryland now, where. Um, and we will have Ricky on, I believe, at some point uh, as well. Matt, if people don't follow you already, what is the best place for them to to find you online? Um, I would say Twitter. I'm, I'm actually I, I'm making sure my handle or X now that it's called. Uh, it's at Matt Goldstein underscore. At so Matt Goldstein and then underscore. You know, I think UMass football must lead the nation in members of the tribe for radio and football broadcast uh just inside <laughs> but i uh, hope you had an easy fast on monday uh awesome matt thank you so much uh for hopping on sharing your your umass story obviously there's still a lot to be written we see you pretty much every weekend uh, i'm looking forward to uh a full winter of uh one minute remaining in the period at the mullen center this year uh this has been the commonwealth conversations everyday minutemen stories podcast brought to you by the mass collective matt I will see you uh, in a couple of days. All right. Sounds good. Go you. Go you. As always, go you mass.